Welcome into the Otzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always on this Monday edition of the podcast or whenever you are listening to this podcast. We know a lot of people go back and read or listen, I should say, to a lot of our older stuff. I'm looking at the numbers recently and seeing some of our older stuff continue to get downloaded and listened. So really appreciate that. Really appreciate that significantly. Uh, and, and if you want to help support the podcast, you can the best way to do it is by subscribing to duckterritory.com. You can take advantage uh, of our entry level price for the month to month, $1 for your first month, $9.95 thereafter that, or you could get a 60% off annual VIP membership right now. Uh, that's going on right now for new subscribers, $3 and 58 cents a month build one time at $42 and 96 cents. Uh, if you do not want to uh, subscribe with, us and because of money issues or what have you, um, that's totally fine. Another way you can support the podcast is going on to iTunes or Stitcher or Google Podcasts or Spotify or whatever platform you use to listen to us and listen to this to this podcast. You can subscribe first and foremost. Secondly, then you can leave, a, leave us a positive review that always helps, uh, giving us a five star, four star reviews help us support as well. So uh, apparently I can't speak English properly today on, on a Monday, um, Eric, but what maybe it's just because I'm so excited. We're actually talking some football. Um, we're going to be talking probably the, the, I think in the state of Oregon and pr probably across the country at the NFL, maybe not the storyline, but one of the top storylines is that the Los Angeles chargers officially have quarterback controversy because of what Justin Herbert did in an emergency start against the Kansas City Chiefs. Tyrod Taylor is quarterback number one for the Chargers. He started week one's win uh, against the Bengals. He went 16 of 30, completed 53% of his passes for 208 yards, no touchdowns, but no interceptions. He was sacked twice in that game. He had a QBR rating of uh, 75.4 and he had some kind of chest injury that happened in practice or, or what happened and they aggravated it uh, and warmups had trouble breathing was sent to the hospital and Justin Herbert literally minutes before the game against the Kansas City Chiefs was told uh, you're the starter now here we go Herbert didn't take reps at, you know didn't minimal reps at all uh, with the first team unit all week and looked like he had been the starter all week. Uh, he looked prepared. He was poised. He was straight up impressive. 22 of 33 for a 66.7% completion percentage. He threw for 311 yards, one touchdown. He did have a really bad interception uh, in the second half. He was sacked twice. He had a QBR rating of 94.4, significantly better than – Tyrod Taylor's. He also rushed the ball four times for 18 yards, a long of 11, and he had a touchdown run. His first touchdown of the game, uh, four yards in the first quarter to put the Chiefs, uh, you know, put the Chargers up on the Chiefs seven nothing. They went right down the field and, and scored on their first drive. I think uh, very impressive start for Justin Herbert. And quite honestly, he had social media uh, up in up in a, you know emotional feelings because of how he was playing, it was pretty fun to watch Sunday afternoon. 
How in, I think just taking a step back, how infrequent is it that you get a surprise start at quarterback like this? Yeah. I mean, like this was totally out of nowhere. I, I, I don't know. If, I, I, have a, I had an NFL red zone <laughs> weekend free trial. So I was watching the red zone games in the morning and shifting over to the afternoon games, getting ready to see how Patrick Mahomes, who's on my fantasy team, would do. No one cares about my fantasy team, but I'm going to say it. Um, see how he would do. And then suddenly I look up and they're saying Justin Herbert starting for the Chargers. And that was my first tip off of it happening. You know, usually you see something like this being announced, you know, a couple of hours before kickoff, something, you know, a little before, maybe even the day before. Um, but this all was happening, like, right before the game in real time where Terod Taylor has an injury, he is unable to play, and Justin Herbert is out there taking that first snap. So um, it was pretty crazy to learn about it live kind of in that fashion because I think at this point we learn of everything, like, either if it's on social media, word of mouth, we see it somewhere – um, very infrequently do we experience something like this. And it was really kind of cool for this to happen organically. And it was even cooler, I think, for him to come out and play the way he did and really go toe-to-toe with the Super Bowl champion, um, Kansas City Chiefs. I like, the Chargers probably should have won this game. Um, you know, you look back at it, um, Mahomes has a huge recovery in the second half. He did not play well in the first. Um, they have a, like we said earlier, a 14-6 halftime lead. It really felt like the Chargers may go ahead and win this thing. And I think, you know, Herbert, as you mentioned earlier, has one bad interception in the second half. Really, I felt like that was one of his few bad decisions of the entire game. I thought he was pretty darn reliable. I think he made a lot of good reads, made good decisions. You know, we mentioned earlier, not a lot of reps with the first team offense. Give him a lot of credit for Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry and Austin Eckler. You know, these are their starting key parts for the Chargers offense. He has a good rapport with those three guys, good passing stats with those three guys. They all perform really well. Um, and like I said, like, you know, now it, now it becomes an interesting thing here because Justin Herbert performs really well. You ran through the stats over 300 yards, a touchdown. The one bad pick also runs for a score. Um, Kansas City, like, I know defensively they're not the best defense in the NFL, but this is the premier NFL franchise. And so I, I don't see – it's going to be interesting what Anthony Lynn does from here, the head coach of the Chargers, because in one hand, I'm going, boy, Justin Herbert just looked for real. They played a team that's arguably the best team in the NFL. They took them down to the wire. Why would you move away from that? Um, on the other hand, I, I know that they just signed to Rod Taylor to a contract. He performed adequately well and led them to a week one win. Um, so I understand the noise of he's our starter if he's healthy. At the same time, I'm kind of like, boy, look at what Justin Herbert just did this first week. Maybe this is the way you go all season, even though that completely changes probably expectations here on the fly. I don't know, Matt, when you, when you watch this, and I know we're covering Justin Herbert probably more than we are the Chargers, but I, I certainly came away thinking like, well, he should probably be their starter weeks three through 17 on. Yeah, it, watching week one, I watched a lot of week one uh, Chargers, Bengals, because I was curious, Joe Burrow, um, and I also wanted sure. to see just kind of uh, what the Chargers looked like with Tyrod Taylor. And then, obviously, once Herbert p- was the starter, I, I didn't watch any other of the afternoon games other than this one. I was kind of on, on desk, if you will. That's a work term uh, here mm-hmm. in, internally, uh, covering that, making sure anything viral happened, got up on the site. So I was really tuned in with week, week two. And just going and looking at – you know, the two games, it was night and day compared to what we saw. I mean, the Bengals, they are not a good football team. And the Chargers in, in that one, week one, had 19 first downs. They had 10 first downs, 
through the air. They had seven rushing first downs, and they had two first downs via penalty. And they were 6 of 16 on third down, 0 of 2 on fourth down. And against the, char- against the Chiefs, and yes, like you said, the Chiefs aren't this juggernaut defensive team, but they are the best team in the NFL. They are the premier team. Everyone knows that yep. when you face them, you have to play your A game because on both sides of the ball because it, you've got to be able to you know, match them score for score. And the Chargers' offense was significantly better. They had 28 first downs, 14 through the air, 13 on the ground. They had one first down be a penalty. They were 6 of 13 on third down efficiency. They were almost 50%. That's, an, that's unreal in the NFL. They were one of two on fourth down. Uh, they had 479 yards. They averaged 6.1 yards per play uh, against the, the Chiefs. And against the Bengals, they had just 362 yards and 5.1 yards per play. So a whole yard better with Justin Herbert against a, a, an opponent in which you knew your offense had to be clicking on all cylinders because if every, every possession matters against the against the Chiefs and Herbert was was very impressive he had he had some mistakes he had an interception thrown late in the game or in the second half that it shouldn't be late in the second half but it was in the second half and uh it, it he had a clear first down he had about 10 yards on a second and two that he that he could have picked up via the ground and he instead threw rolling to his left across the field to the right side of the field deep down the field was intercepted yeah, it was, a bad was, was just overconfident and, and it, it was a poor play I'm sure if you asked him about it he, he would be kicking himself uh, Anthony Lynn post game said it was a mistake but he liked the fact that his quarterback was you know keeping his eyes down the field and not trying to run it at first instance um, but he said he should have he should have kept it and gotten the first down that probably wiped three points off the board most likely and in that case you know Could've maybe the, the Chiefs don't go into overtime and because they would have had, they would have been down six at the time. They would have had to try to score a touchdown, and, and maybe they lose. Um, so obviously that was one mistake. But Herbert's mistakes didn't cost them. I feel like the game that that one possibly did. But Anthony Lynn, the head coach, he chose to punt in the in overtime, uh, and it's come out now in the afternoon uh, that that decreased the Chargers' pr- chances of winning the football game by 6.9%, and it ended up being true because the Chiefs uh, marched right down the field and gained the game-winning field goal. Um, there was some, I think, some some weird play calls with Herbert they, in the fourth quarter when they went on that, like, 14-play drive to, you know, what, right after the, uh, the, the Chiefs had tied the game at 17, the – Chargers went down the field in the fourth quarter, took up, up almost the entire fourth quarter, and they got like a first and goal at like the four or five yard line, and they basically ran three straight run plays right into the, the teeth of the defense. It make really much sense. It's, that it's like they were too scared to let to let Herbert try and throw the football that close to the red zone. I thought that was a big mistake. There were a ton of penalties um, defensively that that the Chargers committed that turned third and longs into third and shorts. Um, the Chiefs never got a first down via a penalty, but it re- they really hurt themselves by extending drives, by making you know third and longs into third and shorts, which the Chiefs then turned into first downs. Um, so there were, a lot, there were, I think, there were some mistakes that, that were there, but you just look at the, how competitive 
the Chargers were and what their star players. I mean, the, the I think the Chargers' offense is pretty darn good. Austin Eckler at running back yeah. is really scary as a dual threat guy. 93 yards rushing in that game. He had 55 reception yards. They have Keenan Allen, Hunton Henry, and Mike Williams, three really good receiver tight end type guys on this team. If if you have – and their defense is legit. If, if you have a quarterback that can throw the ball downfield and push the football like Herbert can – why? Why not? Why not go now? I know the future. I know they look at him as the heir apparent in a year or, or two years, but it's becoming evident after after two weeks that there's a stark difference between the two. And my thing is like, what are you building towards this year? Um, right. I mean, like, if we're being honest here, and we've said it already numerous times in this podcast, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win this division, and they're probably going to win the AFC, and they're probably going to be the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Um, the Chargers, at best, here are battling for a wild card position, which we should note, I believe they've expanded the wild card this year. So there's a little bit more opportunity to get in there. But I, like, I, I look at this and think is a year of Tyrod Taylor leading you to an eight and eight or a nine and seven record really worth maybe more experience for Justin Herbert in a season where you go six and 10 or five, 11, maybe you lose three games. You shouldn't have I mean, we also say, based upon what we saw on Sunday and what we saw in week one against the Bengals, I don't know if the competitive difference is that significant. And I know this comes down to the injury for Ty- for Tarod Taylor. Um, supposedly, he could be healthy enough in theory to play next week against the Panthers. And Panthers, through two weeks, look absolutely terrible, we should note. And uh, our 0-2 Christian McCaffrey likely to miss some time. That would be a very favorable matchup for the Chargers, um, re- probably regardless of who's at quarterback. But I just look at this and think, like, if you if you think you're working towards winning a Super Bowl this year, I think you're wrong if you're the Chargers. And so why not give Justin Herbert a shot? And you know, I think he what he showed on Sunday is that he is really the future of this organization. And I, I just don't see what, what the real negative is to, to just letting this be his season, even if it's kind of, a again, a quote-unquote, a down season compared to where you might be able to get with Tarod Taylor, which, again, I would debate. I just don't see what the downside is for, for rolling the dice here and going with him, especially after he made you look pretty smart on Sunday. Now, week three, their opponent is another home game. Sunday, September 27th, 1.05 p.m. Pacific time kickoff on CBS. I imagine, uh, especially if Justin Herbert is the starter week three again, that game will be local here in Eugene. It, yeah. it still probably could be without uh, – Herbert being the starter, but they're going to play the Carolina Panthers, which will be without Christian McCaffrey in that football game. Really good chance that if Herbert is the starter or regardless, the Chargers have an opportunity to be two and one going into a a week four game at Tampa against Tom Brady and just kind of sets this up here where we could see a pretty, pretty cool deal with Justin Herbert. uh, If, if he can, if, yeah. Look, I, I'm not rooting for injuries. Tyrod Taylor being hurt sucks. Um, you never want to see someone get hurt. That That's an awful deal, especially considering he couldn't breathe. It's really scary. It's not like he just twisted his knee and you know is going to be out for a couple weeks and just needs to rehab and they'll be back. Like He had trouble breathing. That That's a scary deal. Um, so, you A, you hope he's just physically okay and will, get, will be okay and his recovery will be fine. But nonetheless, football still has to go on. Games still need to be played, and that, that sounds cruel and, and dark, but that's just how it is in the National Football League. And you know, the whole season's not going to stop because Tyrod Taylor got hurt. 
Um, and that sounds really, really mean. Um, but at the same time, Herbert's now dealt a case where if he's the starter week three and he performs admirably and does a really good job again and they win and they improve the two and one, you have a game where on Sunday – uh, at 10 a.m., I guarantee you, Tampa Bay and Tom Brady against uh, Justin Herbert and the Chargers, that game will be big. And then a week later, October 12th, Monday Night Football at the Saints against Drew Brees. Like, like we could really see Justin Herbert's just accelerating uh, his career arc and the whole attention on, on him if he pre- continues to perform well in the next couple of weeks. The quarterback matchups could be Herbert against Mahomes, Herbert against Bridgewater, which no one's getting too excited about, but then Herbert against Brady, Herbert against Breeze. I mean, like three of your first four starts, potentially, again, we're going to put in the car for the court horse here because as we said a couple of times, um, if Terod Taylor's healthy, that's who they're going to start apparently. Um, but you're talking about Breeze and Brady, two of the all-time best quarterbacks, and Mahomes currently the best quarterback, presumably considering he's still young in his career, potentially – another one of those all-time great quarterbacks by the time his career rounds out. Like, what, what a way for Herbert to start this um, if he does get this opportunity. I know when we did podcasts prior to this season, um, we kind of talked about what would be the best part of the season for Herbert to debut. We didn't really consider this early. Um, and I don't know if this is, quote-unquote, the best case for him because he could have some tough games here on some big stages. But at the same time, the, the inverse of that is if Justin Herbert steps up here and let's say he is the quarterback and they beat – the Panthers, which I think will happen. And let's say they split those two games against the Buccaneers and the Saints. I think people are going to be really talking about Herbert, not only potentially as rookie of the year offensively, but really talking about what he could be long-term there um, for the Chargers, because he is, as as we stated, they're running through the upcoming schedule, playing some of the preeminent um, franchises with some of the preeminent quarterbacks in the league early on. Very exciting opportunity for him if this is uh, something that plays out for him. Now, Herbert wasn't the only duck to perform well in the NFL Week 2. I think maybe the biggest impression, uh, maybe, there's two really big ones, one of which is Ugo Amadi, a guy that for the Seahawks was pressed into a, a bigger role with the team because of another injury that, that was sustained, or I guess a penalty that was sustained um, in, that, in that football game that removed the guy that Ugo Amadi backs up from competition for the rest of the game and which thrusted him into a bigger role for the Seahawks. Yeah. Uh, Seahawks beat the Patriots 35, 30 on Sunday night football. Amadi eight tackles, a tackle for loss. Um, second behind Jamal Adams for the Seahawks in tackles in this one. And as you said, Quentin Dunbar um, ejected early for helmet to helmet contact. And then um, Marquise Blair, oh, sorry, it was Quadre Diggs. I believe that was ejected. Got their names confused because they both are QD names, Quandre Diggs and Quentin Dunbar. Um, But later in the game, Marquise Blair injured as well. And so Ugo ends up going from basically special teams, maybe a couple, maybe half a dozen snaps on defense to every snap on defense and making some really crucial plays on some late drives there. I think really fun to see him in those spots, not only because he's a former Oregon player um, and, and because it's good to see him get an expanded role, but just because you wonder going forward what this could do for him. Um, we mentioned the you know the ejection. That's probably not he's probably not jumping anybody there, but an injury there to Blair. I wonder if going forward he might play himself into uh, an opportunity to have a pretty significant role here for the Seahawks defense, which we should note they are two and zero right now. Uh, two big wins to start their season against the Patriots and the Falcons. 
Um, pretty exciting to see him in that spot again, similar to Justin Herbert, a player who going into the season and especially even going into this game, not really expected to make much of an impact, but yet there he is playing an impactful role down to the end of the game. This time, um, a win for an Oregon player, but sort of similar scenarios between Amadi and Herbert in terms of neither expected to do much this season or really in this game even. And yet you look up and, and they performed very, very well and were at least crucial in getting their teams positioned to possibly have a victory. Um, Amadi's team does pull out the win. Now, it feels like Amadi's career just continues to get better and better. He was pretty, pretty impressive as a special teams kind of role player last year as a rookie. Yeah. This year, he continues to go up a little bit more. Uh, week two, really solid performance. It, it, it's pretty cool to see a guy not hit, you know. Obviously, you want to see guys hit the, hit the field instantly and be stars. But at the sure. same time, it's also cool to watch a guy kind of work his, thre- his way through the, the ranks and be ready to play. Yeah, no doubt. And you saw that throughout the NFL with Oregon guys. Uh, Troy Dye was out there playing some snaps for the Minnesota Vikings, who, by the way, and I'm – if I have an NFL franchise, it's the Minnesota Vikings. Boy, do they look terrible so far. I mean, they might be the worst team in the NFL, which is really bizarre. Um, we, don't, we don't need to go too far down the Vikings rabbit hole, but go look up Kirk Cousins' stats and tell me that you're not concerned about that team. But Troy Dye getting some run, I thought that was nice to see. In the other side of that game, and this is not a player who's developing, a player who's already developed, but DeForest Buckner, wow, look at the stats there. Four quarterback hits, one and a half sacks, tackle for loss, three tackles. Um, absolutely dominant in that one. Eric Armstead for the 49ers also picked up a sack on Sunday. Um, running back Royce Freeman, who we talked about going into the season, he had some work <laughs> to do to get on the field. He's out there, three carries, 20 yards, playing some nice roles too. So, I mean, yeah, it was – He was a, almost a quarterback in the game. Yeah, he was almost – I was going to – yeah, I was going to say, they lost their starting quarterback, and I was listening on Red Zone, uh, and they said that the, the, the third-string replacement quarterback is Royce Freeman, and I'm kind of going like, I don't – I think he threw like two passes at Oregon on running <laughs> back passes. I don't what, – can he do this? Unfortunately, they didn't need him out there, but um, – yeah, I mean, we talked about it going into the season how, you know, from a fantasy perspective, just from an overall Oregon perspective in the NFL, it felt like a bit of a down season. And yet here we are a couple weeks in seeing a lot more, um, I guess, opportunity than we'd expect and a lot more contributions, certainly from Herbert and Amadi. And I would even throw Royce Freeman in there. I know he only had three carries, but he has become kind of Denver's second running back with uh, Philip Lindsay out. So he's a player who... Um, I'm not telling you to pick him up on your fantasy team, but like he could, you could look, I wouldn't be surprised to look up in that couple weeks and, and he has an even improved role, maybe gets in the end zone here, um, which would be nice given the way his career has started in Denver. Yeah. Week three, we'll, we'll end it here. Week three, there's a couple games to watch from a matchup perspective. Tennessee plays at Minnesota. That's going to be a game in which Troy Dye is going to be, you know, have an opportunity to really rack up a lot of tackles because the Titans are a very run-heavy team with Derrick Henry. And I believe Anthony Barr is the starter at the position that Troy Dye plays. He got hurt week two. And that opens up a door for for Troy Dye to play a little bit more possibly. We've also got a duck versus duck matchup, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Fox, San Francisco at New York. Uh, That's a – Eric Armstead potentially going off. Maybe if, if he gets into the game, Shane Lemieux, who, who plays for the Giants at guard. And then other games to watch, obviously, is the Carolina at Los Angeles Chargers game at 105 on CBS. And then Tampa Bay at Denver is another one that will be playing. And then 
Ugo Amadi once again will be in a game in which he'll be called upon probably to play some kind of a role. Dallas at Seattle, 125, Fox, uh, that, that game, Cowboys throw the ball a lot. Ugo Amadi will have to play in some capacity. But, Eric, I think week three, everyone's eyes are going to be in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium again with the Panthers against the Chargers if Justin Herbert starts week, two, week three. Yeah, and I'm 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 hopeful we get an opportunity to see him in action again because it was honestly really really fun. You know, we don't as an Oregon fan base and us as reporters, we don't have games on Saturday to watch. But it was kind of like a quasi Oregon game, at least watching. You know, a starting quarterback, you know, lead an offense like that. Um, he is involved in so much of the game, so it was really fun. I hope we get an opportunity to see that this week. I think again, as I said earlier in the podcast, I think it's best for the Chargers if he gets some sort of an opportunity to get some more reps, and I think Chargers fans would agree with that. Another quote unquote home game. I know home games lose some value right now, but um, that would I think in terms of the matchup to really build some confidence against the Panthers, who again have been really bad through two weeks. You give Justin Herbert that opportunity to lead the offense at home against a bad defense. I think that could be the recipe for a really big outing for him and maybe a game to build some confidence as he gets into some tougher games on the schedule. How much do you think the fact that Herbert is also from Eugene factors into the, you know, the, the fan interest? Because for me, like, there, I think there's two people out there. There's one group of fans that are saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to support every Duck player no matter what they do, no matter where they go at, at the next level. They, they played at Oregon. They're going to be, you know, my favorite. They're going to be now my favorite team or my favorite player in the NFL because they played at Oregon. And then there's the other group that says, you know what? I'm going to separate what they did at Oregon and the NFL because I've got my own allegiances. This is kind of where I land. And I've got my own allegiances. I'm a Packers fan. And I, if the Packers are on TV, I'm not watching Red Zone. I'm watching that game um, over over red zone for fantasy football purposes or any other thing. Uh, Packers play a duck. I'm rooting for the Packers. But I think because of Herbert being from Eugene and playing at Oregon, that kind of changes things. It, 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 it hammers home even more, I think, the personal connection and that you have as a duck fan with Justin Herbert. Being well, I, think it, I think it's a really good point, Matt. And uh, I, I don't have the, I'm not like best friends with the Herbert family, but Justin Herbert's, <laughs> gran Justin Herbert's grandpa coached my dad in track and field. My dad knows Justin Herbert's like dad from competing back in the day. So like, like there is like these, you know, secondary connections. You, yeah. you went, I, mean, I went, you went, I went, you I went, went to, to the same high school as he did. Yeah. All, all of these kind of like secondary things of at least feeling like you're in the vicinity of something, which is a little different than like a Marcus Mariota where it's like he was in Eugene. Everyone loved him while he was here, but he doesn't quite have those same connections. Whereas Herbert, you know, you could casually be like, hey, remember this guy, and I bet you you're in a bar and you bring up a Herbert and somebody would probably have some sort of connection either to him or the family just from having him be in town. So, yeah, no, I think that's a, a great point, Matt, in terms of, like, when we're following this stuff, there is a disconnect, I think, between just the guys who played at Oregon. I don't want to minimize that connection because it's really significant, but – and also the players that are from Eugene because, frankly, like, <laughs> the city of Eugene doesn't have too many superstar athletes come through it. Certainly there have been, <laughs> but to have a guy like Justin Herbert, I mean, this is very unique. I mean, I, I would say that I don't know what the, the comparison is. That's really that similar in other sports to Justin Herbert, a Eugene guy playing in the NFL, a top draft pick just started his first game as a rookie performed really well. Like when have we seen something in our lifetime similar to that in other sports? Like I really can't even think of a basketball equivalent. Like I know Blake step, 
from South Eugene was really good about 15 years ago. He played at Gonzaga. Luke Jackson Jackson was from Cresswell is another really, that's probably the closest thing, although Luke didn't quite have the same NBA career um, as what it looks like Herbert might have in the NFL. Maybe that is the closest comparison. And so that's like about every 20 years, something like this happens. So um, really unique, really cool. And I think a good job, I think good call on bringing that up because not that it gets lost, but um, it is pretty wild to see somebody from a city this, you know, size be one of, 30 or so starting quarterbacks in the NFL. It just doesn't happen very often. Yeah, like I think it, it dawned on me this morning. I was thinking about it. And Alex Brink, another guy who went to Sheldon, um, who's same high school as Justin Herbert, uh, he, he had a very brief stint in the NFL. He went to Washington State, was a starter there, for, I think for three and a half seasons for the Cougs, set a bunch of school records at the time. And then I, I believe – uh, Brink was maybe like a sixth or a seventh round draft pick by the Texans. I think he, he lasted one year, but he never, he never saw the field. And it was like, he's never going to see the field. Um, and I know Brink follows, you know, I, I know Brink personally, and I don't, I, I don't know if <laughs> he's not going to be upset that I said that, but you know, he, no one really expected Brink to, to really have an NFL career. Whereas Herbert, it was the sixth overall pick. And there was expectations that he plays at some point in the NFL. He's a starter at some point in the NFL. And I think what made it so cool was not only was he one of 32 NFL starting quarterbacks week two of the season, he was maybe a top five, top 10 quarterback week two of of the season. Like he was better than most that were out there that, that week. You could look at it, the matchup with Mahomes and say for the majority of that game, yeah, he, was better he, than Mahomes. he was better than the MVP. I mean, let's, I mean, let's be real. That's the way it was until really probably that fourth quarter and then overtime. But I mean, that's pretty special. All right. Hopefully Duck fan enjoyed that Sunday. There's going to be a lot more. I have a feeling we'll be seeing Justin Herbert, you know, as a full-time starter for the Chargers sooner than later when that officially becomes certain, we'll discuss it. We'll break it down. Uh, we'll also continue to track all the other ducks that are in the NFL and what they are doing. Cause there are a lot of them and there are other good stories out there to, to watch as well. So for Eric Scopel, I'm Matt Bram. You've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Talk to you later folks.